Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our scripture this morning is just a short verse from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. These are the words of God. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can open your word this Lord's Day and consider how you made the world, how you've worked through time, and how you think of us, your people. May we hear your word, learn, and live it out to those around us this Christmas season. Bless our time in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy second Sunday of Advent. And I want to spend our time this morning meditating on a theme that is very familiar this time of year and appears in, um, it's, it's often considered during the season of Advent and Christmas, and it's the theme of light. One of my favorite parts of Advent and Christmas season is the contrast of light and darkness and how it appears in our readings and our carols and even forms what we do during this season. It's so prevalent, I think sometimes we miss all of the places that it appears. And once you start looking for it, you see it everywhere. And this has been particularly on my mind this year for a couple reasons. One, obviously, is short days, limited daylight. And, uh, but a lot of what people are seeing going on in the world and commenting on, you hear a lot of comments, these are dark days, dark times. And so set aside the sun being low in the sky and many of us starting our work in school days in darkness without the sun. But the, the world looks at war and violence and racial strife and the fight back against their confused ideologies and talks about dark times. With division and anger, depression and anxiety, isolation, empty consumerism, the world seems like a dark place to many. They would say that Institutions are failing us. The government isn't saving us. The climate is a catastrophe. And with our culture's emphasis on finger pointing and blame, it seems like dark days indeed. The modern evangelical church is not much better right now at times. It looks at wars and earthquakes and volcanoes and authoritarian leaders and say it's dark and only getting darker. And the only hope is that Jesus returns soon or at the very least, raptures the church out of this mess. The premillennial dispensational prophets are out in force. We can fall into the same way of thinking. The culture is so hostile to Christians. Seattle is a buzzword for all sorts of liberal craziness. And friends are making a run for the border. But what I want to talk through this morning and encourage us all in is seeing that God started a work on that first day of creation And that work continued with Jesus' birth, and it continues in all of us today. And because of that work, the world is not getting darker. It's getting brighter. Now, I'm not naive. I'm not ignorant of the fact that situations are hard for a lot of people and that the culture does not want anything to do with God. But that does not change the nature of light and the fact that it pushes out the darkness The light in the world is real in so many ways, and all of you are a key part of that. From the very beginning to the very end of scripture, God uses light and its separation from and contrast with darkness, as well as its spread through the earth to describe many of the realities of our human condition and human experience. In one sense, 
The Bible is just God's story of light. The story of the victory of light. But let's start at the beginning. The very beginning. How do things start? Darkness. The earth starts in complete darkness. Genesis 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, saw that it was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Darkness covered the face of the deep. God said, let there be light. The first thing God does is separate, separate light from darkness. Separation is important because, as we'll see through the entirety of the Old Testament, the darkness is not gone. Darkness and light are distinct. They're at odds with each other. There's now a contrast in the separation. There was just darkness, and God brought light. Darkness and light. And the rest of the Bible is the story of that light. Darkness is there, and when it comes with force, It's often as God's judgment, and we'll see that as we go through this morning as well. But the Bible is the story of the victory of light. So the darkness isn't gone, and it shows up at various times with sometimes very interesting descriptions. In fact, darkness is sometimes described in the Old Testament as having real palpable qualities. It's described as thick darkness, deep darkness, dense darkness, darkness you can feel. It's like a blanket. Actually, those qualities of darkness remind me about something I used to do as a kid. I grew up back on the East Coast, and in Virginia, we had the Blue Ridge Mountains, and in the Blue Ridge Mountains, there's a lot of limestone caves. And when I was a kid, we would grab our packs, and for the weekend, we'd go out, and we'd find a hole, and we would go in a cave, and you'd have your headlamps on, and you're in the cave, you're in a couple hours, you're exploring, and then at some point, it's like, okay, guys, let's turn off our lights. So everyone switches off their headlamp, and the darkness is frightening. I mean, your eyes are straining for any stray particle of light, and just, there just isn't one. And you know that there's, if you didn't have light, there's no way in the world you would ever find your way out. It's complete darkness, all-encompassing. It's a darkness that you felt. It's where we get pictures like in Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Right? The darkness is so complete, right? they can't see anything. They're lost in darkness. The darkness in those caves also reminds me of um, the darkness that God brought in the ninth plague in Egypt, right? Exodus 10 says, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Thick darkness that could be felt over the whole land. It was like they were in a cave, but they weren't. Those are just a couple examples of the physical darkness that God mentions in the Old Testament. Darkness is still there, and it's still very real. And that sort of deep darkness also describes our spiritual condition. Our spiritual darkness started in Genesis as well. With the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, a spiritual darkness fell over the human race, and another separation was introduced into the world, a separation from God, a separation from fellowship with our creator. As sons of Adam were born into this world, into this darkness, cut off from fellowship with God. 
we're in deep darkness. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. The Psalms describe this as living in the shadow of death, right? Isaiah likens it to being blind and to being in a dungeon or prison. Dark shadows, dark places. The spiritual darkness can be felt too, right? The burden of being separated from God is a weight on us. And if we were left there, what a hopeless place that would be. If the light didn't come, that is where the story would end, with us still separated from God. And that judgment is scary. Here's how Amos describes the judgment of Israel for their unbelief, if they're left separated from God. So that's what a lot of the Old Testament prophecy did. Say, okay, if you stay in your sin and stay separated from God, this is what the judgment's going to look like. This is what Amos says. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It'll be darkness and not light. It'll be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on a wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is, not, is it not very dark with no brightness in it? Ending things separated from God is a bad place to be. Here's another example from Isaiah 13. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. Judgment. Darkness. There's a reason that Matthew 27 tells us it got dark from noon to three as Jesus hung on the cross. It was judgment. God was pouring out his divine judgment on Jesus for our sins. Judgment preceding death. Darkness is a sign of judgment. At this point, you're probably thinking, well, how is this encouraging? (laughs) That's all not doom and gloom, even in the Old Testament. God is a God of hope, and throughout the Old Testament, there is light. The true light has not yet come, but there is light. And there are types and pictures of what the true light looks like. Actually, the pictures of light are so prevalent, there's no way we're going to go through them all this morning. But a few examples will suffice. The first is a picture of when the Lord is leading his people out of Egypt through the wilderness, right? He does it partly by fire, so when there's darkness, they can see. In Exodus 13, they arrive at the edge of the wilderness, right? The edge of the wilderness, the edge of the unknown, coming out of Egypt, and they stop. They don't know what's in front of them. And then it says in Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night. They were under the divine guidance of God. They needed to follow by faith, showed them where to walk, where to stop. It illuminated their path. He was showing what true light looked like, and the expectation was that you follow in the pathway the Lord shows you. Second picture, Exodus 27 and Leviticus 24, where God is laying out the tabernacle, what the tabernacle is supposed to look like, and all the different furniture and the service of the tabernacle. One of the key things was the lamp, the lamp that had to be kept burning. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp that a light may be kept burning continually. The lamp showing that the light of God was with them always. They knew the ark was in the Holy of Holies and they knew that's where where God dwelt, but they couldn't see that. They could see the light of the lamp, right? God chose a lamp and a light to show his people that he was there with them. 
And actually, today is the third day of Hanukkah. The Jews still remember that. And if you came to Sunday school, you'll know why they celebrate Hanukkah. But the lighting of the lamp, they still, that lamp, now they missed the true light that came, but they knew what the lamp meant. Third, book of Psalms talks a lot about light. David uses light as an attribute of God in many of his psalms. He uses the contrast of light and darkness many times. Talks about how God provides light to him. And of course, we could spend days looking at all the verses in Psalms. But here's just a few examples. Psalm 4, David asks, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. In Psalm 18, after being delivered from Saul, David praises God saying, For you will light my lamp, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Psalm 27, David opens with, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 36, David says, For with you, God, is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Psalm 37, David exhorts, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Psalm 43, the writer cries out, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Psalm 90, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. You can't hide sins with God's light around. Psalm 104 opens with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my Lord God. You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. Psalm 112 starts, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there rises light in the darkness. And of course, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Later on in Psalm 119, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. On and on. Too many to mention. There was this understanding in the Old Testament, in the histories, and in the prophecies, and in the Psalms, all of it, that there was a darkness in the world. But there was also a trust, and a hope, and a faith, and a belief in the God of light. The God who created light. And they knew that God's light was mercy, and they knew it was coming. And that brings us to Isaiah. The prophecies in Isaiah about the coming Messiah are full of these pictures of light in the world, and read them throughout this whole season. Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Isaiah 42, 16, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light and the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Again, Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, couldn't talk about it any other way than as light. There are shadows, and the land is dark in places, but there is hope because God, speaking through his prophets, promised light. And then I picture God the Father you know, saying again, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus was born. The dawn had come. The dawn of redeeming grace, as Silent Night says, right? 
the everlasting light, the one who is able to save us from the eternal darkness, the eternal judgment. How many of you have stood outside this year and watched a sunrise? Anyone? Sunrise? Sunrises are amazing. I especially love them when out backpacking. Go backpacking with my boys and you're and you're just you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're waiting for a sunrise. A couple years ago we were out and sun started going down and a storm rolled in. And it gets super dark and there's thunder and lightning and rain and hail are pelting the tent and you're just in there cold and you're like, when is this night going to end, right? It seems to go on forever. And then the dawn comes, right? Everything's quiet and still. The clouds are gone. The sky lightens almost imperceptibly. And then the first rays of sun make it over the far mountain. The darkness gets pushed out. The shadows disappear. Then eventually the sun hits your face. What an amazing feeling. And that night and the darkness are all forgotten. That's Jesus. It's all Jesus. The dawn. The dawn of redeeming grace. A savior was born and he is Christ the Lord. He pushed the darkness out. Beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or could not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Zechariah, who I talked about before our corporate prayer time, prophesied at the end of Luke 1. This is what Zechariah said about his son. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah knew the sunrise was coming. We just sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel, which says, O come, thou day spring from on high. Day spring, dawn, come thou dawn from on high. And later in that same song, disperse the gloomy clouds of night, death's dark shadows put to flight. That's what the sunrise does. Jesus, the light of the world, was born in the dark streets of Bethlehem, a light to lighten the Gentiles. The true light brought light to those sitting in darkness, all of us. God didn't just send his son to be born of a virgin in a small town. He sent light to be born. That is what all the prophets were looking for. They were waiting for the dawn, waiting for the shadows to get pushed away and the true salvation to come into the world. So many of the hymns and songs we sing this season have this reference. Two, we're going to sing communion later. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. It says, as the light of light descendeth from the realms of endless day, that the powers of hell may vanish as the darkness clears away. So as the sun does, pushes out darkness. Lo, how rose air blooming, which also sings, speaks of how Jesus dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. These pictures are everywhere. Don't miss them. And to honor that, I dispel the glorious 
darkness by lighting up my house, right? That's what it's a picture of, light pushing out the darkness. O little town of Bethlehem, yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. Hark the herald angels sing, light and life to all he brings. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, comes in the middle of the night. And the picture is of one with the wick of the lamp trimmed, waiting for the bridegroom, right? You've got the little light, just waiting, waiting for the bridegroom with his wedding robe of light, waiting for the light to come. Comfort, comfort ye my people. Talks about those who sit in darkness. That was us. Wake, awake, for night is flying. The title itself, night is flying. Don't miss it. Don't miss it in all the songs we sing. Matthew didn't miss it. He knew that Jesus was, was what everyone had been looking forward to. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, being the word spoken at creation to bring light, and perfectly understanding the prophets in the Gospel of John, says of himself, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Right? This isn't just something like, oh yeah, and the prophets were talking about light. Jesus said, no, I am that light. I have come as light. Again, in John 8, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I love that God orders our physical reality around that too. It reflects that spiritual reality. After the deep darkness comes the dawn. Those who find faith in the finished work of Jesus do not remain in darkness. The dawn has come. This is why this time of year I particularly enjoy our lessons and carol service. Right? It's so perfect. The days are short. It gets dark really early. Our service is at night. We finish with songs like Silent Night, singing quietly. And then we go to sleep in darkness. But do you catch what Silent Night says we're looking forward to? Right? I already said it. The dawn. The dawn of redeeming grace. The day spring. And then you get up Christmas morning and the darkness is broken. Now some of you with little ones, you might be up before dawn, but that's okay. Go out and watch the sunrise. But that's what we celebrate in the birth of Christ. The darkness has been forever broken. And not just at his birth, at his resurrection too. You notice that? When did, when did the women, what did they experience on Sunday as they're running to the tomb? Dawn. Resurrection, new light. Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said, dawn, new life. So all that to say, what does that have to do with you and me? What does God say about us, his children, who have been adopted as his own? Well, that's the verse I read to open with. 
Ephesians 5.8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You were darkness. It doesn't say you walked in darkness or you were lost in darkness, both of which were true. But here it says you were once darkness, separated from light, separated from God, at enmity with God, who is light. And John 3.19 says people are not clamoring for the light. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We were darkness and we loved it. But then God grabbed us, convicts us, changes us. And when he accomplishes that work in us, when we by faith believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, we become light in the Lord. You are light. Not just walking in the light. You are light. God raises us from death in our sins and makes us light. Paul, continuing on in Ephesians 5, quotes the verse from Isaiah 60 that I read earlier. Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. God reaches out and changes us and makes us alive. He grabs us where we are, changes us from darkness to light. Actually, I, that's the whole story of Paul's conversion, right? It's such an amazing picture of all this in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. This is about Saul. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Oh, light from heaven. Noted. God is light. Okay. First, what does God do? Well, he makes Saul's physical state match his spiritual state. Do you see that? Saul became blind. There's no light. Verse 8, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Saul knew the law inside and out, right? Pharisee of Pharisees, walking in complete darkness. That blindness, that darkness, was judgment. Darkness is judgment. We saw that earlier. The picture of God's wrath in darkness. And actually, there's, a, there's another passage in Isaiah 59 that I think describes Saul's condition. Isaiah 59, 9 through 11. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there's darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. That's Paul, lost in darkness, and now actually blind, physically and spiritually. Then God sends Ananias. God tells Ananias in verse 15 that Saul's been chosen by God and that God's going to give him the Holy Spirit. Then once his spiritual state has been changed from darkness to light, note this, God makes his physical state match. Verse 17, and laying his hands on him, Ananias said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. The light came to Saul, spiritually and physically. And then what did he become? He became light. And he shared that light through the entire Mediterranean. Later, when Paul is telling a story to Agrippa, in Acts 26, this is what he says. He says, The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint, appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So just like Paul, God opens our eyes so that we can turn from darkness to light. Colossians 1, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been rescued. We've been rescued from darkness, the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light in which we have forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Because you're in his marvelous light. Rescued from darkness is mercy indeed. Proclaim it, as Peter says. Proclaim it. And one of the most powerful ways to proclaim it is to live it. So how do we live as light? Romans 13, 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify, gratify its desires. Do not drift into the shadows, back into the darkness. Paul asks in 2 Corinthians, what fellowship has light with darkness? The implied answer is none. Proverbs talks a lot about what happens in the darkness, in the shadows, at night. Go read about it. It's not pretty. Don't give in to the flesh. Ephesians 5, our verse again and following. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, how do you discern what's pleasing to the Lord? Use your lamp. God's word is a lamp. When you're walking and it seems to be getting dark, use your lamp. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's nothing the Bible doesn't address. There's nothing the Bible can't help with. Use your lamp. You've been rescued from the domain of darkness. Transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Walk as children of light. Confess your sin. Don't linger in darkness. 
When it seems to be getting dark, use the word of God as a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Follow Jesus. Don't turn to the left or to the right. For Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Don't walk in darkness. Because of Jesus, you are light. When we walk as children of light, the light that is Jesus Christ, we reflect the glory of our Heavenly Father. And the light spreads. And as encouragement, God tells us how the story ends. And unlike Genesis, there is no separation of light and darkness. By the time we get to the end of the story, there's no separation. Because there's no darkness. From John's revelation, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of light came to earth in Bethlehem. The dawn came, and then it began to spread, and it went out from the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, and it spread as the apostles traveled, and the kingdom grew, and the light spread. And 2,000 years later, the light continues to push out into all corners of the world. Africa, Asia, South America. It might look as if it's getting dark here. We as light need to show the way, following the word of God. God is victorious. Jesus reigns. And he is our eternal light. Revelation again. And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life." Earth starts in complete darkness. Physical light comes. Spiritual light comes. Earth in complete light. No darkness left. God started all in the beginning when he said, let there be light. And there was light. Then God continued it when he said, let there be light. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And God said it to you. Let there be light in you. But God didn't just hand you a flashlight and say, go shine the flashlight around a little bit. You are light. Go and light up the world. And Merry Christmas. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a Christmas to celebrate. That you did send your son into the world so that we might have light and life. You made heaven and earth from nothing. You separated the light from the darkness. You sent your son, the true light, to live a sinless life and with his blood purchase our salvation. What a blessing to be able to take a few moments to meditate on that wondrous gift. It's even more amazing that you did all this for us while we were still in darkness, while we were still in our sin. But you called us, you separated us, you saved us. Strengthen us, we pray, that we may always walk 
as children of light. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we sing number 555, Savior of the Nations Come. Yeah. 